this year, Christmas will be ours! Hey everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast, where we go back and look at some of your favorite movies of all time and decide if they still hold up to today's standards. My name's Adam. And I'm Emily. And today we're going back to 1993 Halloween time. Because as you guys know, it's Halloween time currently. And so this entire month of October, we've been doing horror movies. And we've decided to switch it up a little bit. This is still a horror movie. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) But there's not a lot of stabby stabby. But there is a lot of singy singy. Because we are going to do... (laughs) Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas. The. I know. I always get rid of the the. Say it. Say it right. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Facts. All right. (laughs) So if you've never seen this, well, where have you been and why have you been living under a rock? But it's about Jack Skellington, who is the king of Halloween town. The Pumpkin King, the Skeleton King, the whatever he is. I'm not really sure why he's a skeleton and a pumpkin, but whatever, Halloween Town. Um, he is bored with his mundane life. His day-to-day, they just finished up Halloween, it was successful, whatever. He just doesn't care. He thinks the grass is greener on the other side, so he goes for a little walk where he comes across a bunch of trees with doors in them. And the doors all represent other holidays. And he goes through one. And he comes to Christmas Town, And he sees all the little cool things. How he knows what some of those things are, I don't know. But he does. Because he's literally singing a song about what's this and then names half of the things that he asks about. Yeah. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What? Dude, there's color in Halloween Town. <laughs> there's literally color but everywhere. not like this color. Yeah, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. That song is great. It's one of my favorite things about this movie, but it's ridiculous. Um, And he decides he really loves Christmas Town and the idea of Christmas as he learns about it. So he wants to bring Christmas to Halloween Town, but not just them celebrate it. He wants them to take over Christmas from Santa Claus. And Jack wants to be Santa Claus. Yeah, he wants that feeling all for himself. Or Sandy Claus, as he calls him. Um, So it's all about then Halloween Town prepping for their version of Christmas. Jack goes out and delivers presents. It all goes terribly wrong. Jack reconciles with himself and the people around him. They save Christmas. Happy ending. That is literally the crux of this one hour (laughs) and like 19 minute movie. It's very short. Very easy to watch. Yeah, very simple, very uh, straightforward. All right, so first up, we talk about the characters, so let's do it. We're not going to talk about really the people behind the characters all that much unless we have something specific we want to say. Yeah, but I'm probably going to gloss over them a little bit. First up, we have Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie. What do you think about Oogie Boogie? Uh, the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. Well, he is a good boogeyman since apparently even the uh, other characters in Halloween Town are scared of him. Like, they're not scared of each other. No one has an issue with one another and yet everyone seems to hate Oogie Boogie. And that kind of is the same feeling I have for him. I don't like Oogie Boogie. Something about him is 
just off for me. The way he moves, the way he talks, the way he acts, something about it is makes me yeah. I mean, he literally tries to eat two people. Uh, plus, his death is just nightmare fuel for me. Just the idea of like his sack or his skin being ripped off, and he's entirely made of bugs, and they just fall apart and disintegrate in this like ooze that's underneath. And it, it's just so, so he gross. did his job. He, he is supposed to scare you, and he scared you. He did his job. Okay. Um, I love Oogie Boogie. He's my favorite character in this entire movie. I think the entire movie falls apart if he's not in it. How so? Because I said so. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I mean, he's literally, like, Jack is the driving force, obviously. It's his story. But if he's the protagonist, who's the antagonist? You can't have just a protagonist movie. I there mean, always he's kind needs... of his own antagonist, so Understandable, I think this but movie, that's boring. This movie kind of can play off exactly the same without Oogie Boogie. No. You don't need that little battle at the end where, I guess, good triumphs over evil. Like, well, what do you do in the meantime while well, Jack's being stupid? Like, have someone else be holding him. Like, the mayor could have hold him for all we care. Really? The two-faced politician's gonna gonna keep somebody locked up no <laughs> absolutely not that mayor was so useless yeah, i mean he's a I mayor mean, of a town are, he's, like. the, he's the mayor of a town that has a king yeah he doesn't he's just elected official he can't do all this on his own i'm just an elected official i can't make decisions one of the best <laughs> lines in the whole movie it's Literally, so good so good um so i think you need oogie boogie and he has the best song in the whole movie. So oh, I hate his song. Nobody cares what you hate. I know. It's the best song in the movie. So yeah, Oogie Boogie, fantastic. Can't have the movie without him. I don't care what anybody else says. You're wrong. I, I will fight you on that. I, I will fight you all on that. Come <laughs> at me, bro. Um, all right, next up we have Sally. Yeah. Tell me about Sally. She's kind of just... She saddens me. And in the fact of she is this character who was made to be subservient, wants to have a life outside of that, wants to have her independence, but then once she gets her independence, is totally subservient again. And it just, it's so sad to me that they... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Yeah. When does she get freedom? When she jumps from the window and, like, no, no, she has to go back. She's not free. And she hides from Doc. She just, Dr. She just runs inside. away. That's not freedom. Yeah, I mean, that's a sense of freedom. It's not like he was like, hey, Sally, you're free. I mean, he seemed to give up on her. He made a different character. Sure did. That doesn't mean anything. Well, all I'm saying is she got her taste of freedom because she didn't have to go back to him. And then she was still just a weak character. I, I, may I tend to agree with you. Um if there's, you said this movie would be exactly the same without Oogie Boogie, and mm -hmm. you're lying. <laughs> this movie is a hundred percent better without Sally. But don't you need that naysayer, the one that kind of says, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong." Literally, Sally goes, "Hey, Jack, I don't think this is a good idea." And Jack goes, "Of course it is." And she goes, "Oh yeah, you're right." It is. No, she still's like it seems. She wrong doesn't do anything to about me, it, but she does nothing about it. That that is kind of 
my point why I don't like her, but I That's think the character said. of her, like, like her, but better no, just, would, would be necessary. We don't. Jack doesn't need a love interest. <laughs> well, we, I'm not, I'm not uh, arguing that point. He does not need a love interest. We do not need somebody to be like, I had a vision, and you can't go do the thing with the thing that you want to do, because it doesn't matter. He does it anyway. She is superfluous. Get rid of her. I feel like everyone in this character is superfluous besides Jack. Everyone in this character? Is that what I said? That's exactly what you just <laughs> Everybody in that character. <laughs> Sally is made up. Story. Sally is everyone made up of nine people. Everyone in this story is superfluous. No, because he, he needs a kingdom to, to rule over. He has a king. Yeah, but those are so nameless and faceless, almost. I yeah, mean, there's some that are faceless. But that's literally the point. They're the peasants. Okay. They're the townsfolk. You can't just, like, get rid of them. What, Jack just hangs out by himself? I mean, it would make him even day. more bored. <laughs> He's just like, mm, I don't know what to do today. Hang out with myself? Check. <laughs> uh, Speaking of Jack. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, Sally was voiced. Uh, this one is important. Sally was voiced by Catherine O'Hara. Oh, okay. Wonderful actress. Uh, she was the mom in Beetlejuice. Yes. That's probably why she got this role. Probably. Uh, as far as I can tell, she also does her own singing. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. Mostly, I, I think that because, one, um, I should know this. I researched it. And, two, she performed the song live at a benefit concert of some kind or an anniversary or something like that. She performed it live. So I imagine she, if she performs it live, she probably performed it for the movie as well. While I do say that the worst song is the Oogie Boogie song, I will say that everyone hates Sally's song. I mean, people, for oh, some I reason, love it, but I don't understand because it's a, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a half love song, half things are going wrong song, and I just don't get it. Well, I hate Sally, so yeah, it makes sense I hate her song. <laughs> All right, so moving on to Jack. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about Mr. King of the Pumpkin Patch, Jack Skellington, who's not a pumpkin. He's not a pumpkin. Um, I love his character design. He is so iconic with his look. But He's him, literally just a skeleton in a suit. Yes. What's iconic about that? It has become so iconic. Yeah, it has. It's not a great look. I don't know. It, it's, it's a pretty dapper look. If I do say so myself. He looks cooler as the Pumpkin King, which we see for like five seconds. Yeah. You just want a guy with a pumpkin head? You just want a skeleton? Sometimes. I mean, sitting in science class, I just looked at a skeleton a lot. Yeah. There was nothing cool about it. I mean, it's cool. It's a skeleton. <laughs> I mean, but seriously. the point being, like, he's just a skeleton in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. At least, like, skeleton guy with a pumpkin head that, like, burning fire. Well, that part was kind of neat. Like, I'll take that. Anyway, what else about Jack? Um, well, while I understand his want, you know, the, the idea of that same year after year can get really boring, want something new in your life. I just, I feel like he, the way he goes about it and everything that to deal with him, it, he's so selfish and so self-centered that if it doesn't suit him, he doesn't do it. And he's only ever going to do things that are like, what he thinks is good. Um, he will listen to no one else about anything. Falsities. Well, in, to explain one way. 
when does he listen to someone else? Um, he listens to all of the little elves in Christmas Town as they're doing things, and that's what gives him the motivation to steal Christmas. Does he listen though? Because he seems to be singing the entire time he's there. Have you never heard of Sing Listen? I can <laughs> sing. No. No, I just mean like he definitely is aware of things around him. He's not always self centered. Because of that, he also takes care of his dog Zero for the most part. So. And I mean, the dog's already dead, unfortunately. They're all dead. Not all, all the people in Halloween Town are dead. You don't know that. They're all dead. Some are undead. They're they're all dead in (laughs) some way. Like, that's not a good excuse for the dog. I'm just saying that he is quite a self-centered character. Fine, whatever. Um, I like Jack. I like Jack's motivation. I like the idea of trying to better yourself. Not that you're... You know, he's good at what he does. People love him for it. Oh, he but that doesn't mean himself. he's not, that he's satisfied. And that's a good lesson I think people could take away. Oh, yeah. Just because you can do the job that you're currently doing or do the thing that you're currently doing doesn't mean you can't try to grow and do other things. At least just test it out. Who knows? Well, Maybe then... it goes terribly wrong and you ruin Christmas. Who yeah. knows? But then you'll probably have good ideas for next Halloween. Exactly. So I think, like, his characterization is pretty good. I do appreciate that he found something nice in Halloween Town, and his first reaction was, I need to show it off to all the people here so that they can have that same warm feeling. So I don't have a problem with Jack. I think Jack is perfectly suitable. Now, Jack is voiced by Chris Sarandon when speaking because he is voiced differently when singing. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jack sings, he is voiced by the composer of the film, who also wrote all of the the, the songs, uh, Danny Elfman. Yeah. What do you think? I love his voice. I mean, Jack's songs are some of my favorites, and that's because of his deep voice and how he almost emotes during his songs. I love them. They're fine. They're songs. They exist. Um, Danny Elfman's voice is fantastic. I don't think that has anything to do with the songs. The songs can be bad, and he still has an amazing voice. Uh, the one thing that I find funny is that Chris Sarandon voices Jack merely based on the fact that he sounds like Danny Elfman's singing voice. So he got the job because of that. I could I could see that simply because I was very shocked to find out that the speaking and singing weren't the same person. They honestly sound like they should come out of the same human being. Uh, absolutely. 100% agree. They did a fantastic job with that, and it blew, blew me away uh, the first time I ever realized that it was two different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good and job on And I should on have them. realized it sooner since, you know, it, it literally says Danny Elfman on the, uh, the soundtrack whenever it's uh, Jack's songs. Yes, so those of us who didn't listen to the album all that much and or look at who was singing it, and plus Danny Elfman was the composer, therefore his name being on it made perfect sense. Some of us had to figure it out by watching the credits. (laughs) So next up, we always talk about Roger Ebert and what he thought of the movie because he is the godfather of critics. 
And he actually gave it three and a half stars. He was a fan, which is awesome because good for him. I feel like he's not a lot of fans of like horror or animated movies. I feel like he's a little harsher on those. Uh, Not really. They're not always his cup of tea, but he, the reason why he's so beloved is because he speaks of everything in a critical sense, whether he likes a movie or not. It could be like the, a horror movie and he hates horror, but he's going to look at it and say, as a horror movie, it's pretty good. He's going to look at a musical and go, I don't really like musicals, but as a musical, I understand that this is good. Like that's what made him popular. Anybody in the world can go, I don't like horror movies. So they all are trash. And Even, I feel like a lot of critics do know. No matter how good the movie is, that's just what they do. So, no, that's why he's the godfather, because his opinion actually matters. So he gave it three and a half stars, and here is a quote from his review. He's talking, he compares it to the movies Metropolis from 1927, The Cabinet, uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and Star Wars. Ooh. And with that, he says, and I quote, with all of these films, what all of these films have in common is a visual richness, so abundant that they deserve more than one viewing. First, go for the story. Then go back just to look in the corners of the screen and appreciate the little visual surprises and inspirations that are tucked into every nook and cranny. That's high praise. That is a man literally telling you, this is a good movie. Not just good enough to watch once, Go back and watch it multiple times because you're always going to appreciate it slightly more. Yeah, that is high praise when a critic is telling people to watch things more than once. Exactly. And when you put it in the level of Star Wars and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that's huge. I mean, Star Wars is probably the biggest franchise of all time in the film industry. And the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is one of the most underseen underappreciated movies probably in the history of film i appreciate this movie for that reason of you're noticing things almost on every watch in fact this rewatch i noticed something for the first time and that in halloween town the sun is actually a pumpkin it's actually a jack-o'-lantern yes it is instead of the sun i had never noticed that before and i've watched this movie like once every year or so. Did you catch the other jack-o'-lantern in the movie? No. Well, I mean, there's a lot of jack-o'-lanterns. No, 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 but there's one in particular. Uh, if you pay attention closely, Zero, his nose glows because it's a jack-o'-lantern. Really? So it lights up because it's a jack-o'-lantern carved for Halloween. Do we ever get that close to his nose to, to see it? Absolutely. Why am I not remembering this like i feel like i have to go back and watch the movie again follow <laughs> ebert's advice and go back and watch it again and don't watch what's in the forefront foreground watch what's in the background and along the edges you're gonna see some cool stuff yeah current critic response uh rotten tomatoes critical score is currently 95 percent the audience score is currently 91 percent which to me is a little odd i feel like those numbers would be switched I feel like people love this movie more than a lot of, like, critics do. But this, these numbers prove me wrong. That is definitely surprising since I figure that the audience would have it way higher. Yeah, 91 seems kind of low for Audi. For the fact that, like, everybody I've ever met is like, I love that movie. Yeah. Movie's great. 
So it's weird to only have it at a 91. If those numbers were flipped, I'd be like, that's exactly right. Yeah, I could see that. But just weird. Uh, its budget was 18 to 24 million. Couldn't find an exact number. So that's just an estimate. Domestically, in its first run in 1993, it made 45 and a half million dollars. Yeah, double, doubled the higher number you had. Almost. Oh, the 24 million yeah. budget? Yeah, so it did pretty well on its first run. But it's had many, 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 many re-releases. Yeah, I feel like it's every then. other year they re-release it. Uh, they used to. They used to release it like every year on Halloween for people to go see. So uh, since 1993, it has now made 77 million domestically in the box office. Is that including the 44 million? Yes. That's their total. They still almost doubled what they did initially in re-releases. Yeah, 13 million out from doubling their initial run. Dang. Which is crazy when you think about, they never got like a full long run again. It wasn't like they re-released it for like a month. They'd really re-release it like for a weekend. Yeah, oh yeah. That's it. occasion. And it'd make a couple million every time they re-released it. Amazing. Internationally, since this didn't get one in 1993, it's very sparingly been released in other countries, mostly like UK area. It's only made 400,000. But that's because it didn't get released there until like 2010 when everybody had seen it already. That's really sad. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, They probably had like a special event or something and that's the money it did from like one day screening. (laughs) Um, But what I found interesting, and this isn't a number that I've had before, but it might be a number I have going forward, is home sales. Because most of the movies we talk about are old enough that home sales actually matter because people used to buy physical media. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't streaming everywhere. You had to you had to own it. Yeah, you had to have it. Like, I have cabinets full of movies. <laughs> That's like, it's He's the not best. lying. He literally does. It's the best. Um, but its home sales has made roughly, since 1993, when it was released, has made roughly $100 million in sales. Wow. That's more than its box office. Yeah, by a lot. But I guess it makes sense. So I thought about this. If I bought it in 1993 or 1994 after it got out of theaters, I bought it on VHS. Yeah. And then 2001-ish hit. I was like, cool, I got to get it on DVD now. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later, they were like, hey, there's this new thing. It's called Blu-ray. And I picked it up then. And then everybody went to the 3D I was going to say, did you pick up the 3D version? And then version? it's like, I got to pick up the 3D version. Even though then, I don't have a 3D TV. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> got to have it. And then they just really, and then they have it in 4K, I believe, as well. So it's like, yeah, you saw it in theaters once or twice, but you had to buy it five times to keep it in your collection. Yeah. So I think that's why the number's so high. Also, fun story, friends of mine and I, we all went and saw one of the re-releases back in 2000 and, oh God, when was that? 2009. 2008, 2009, somewhere in that range. Okay. Uh, I was in junior college and went with a bunch of people to go see it. It was the 3D version. One of the best 3D movies, like post 3D movies that I've seen, where like they didn't intend to make it in 3D and they had to add it all in post. Really good. I like most of it I couldn't see, but like the sometimes when like Jack pulls his hand in front of the screen, I feel like could have been really good. So the best scene was after he gets sucked into Christmas Town's door. Yeah. And he's doing the travel and you get the swirl around him and all that Falling stuff. Falling down that portal. Falling in thing. the portal. The portal looked amazing. They added a bunch of like extra snowflakes and all this other cool stuff. It was 
beautiful. Mm. Great experience. We all dressed up for it. Face painted, all that good stuff. It was awesome. What were you? I don't remember. You weren't Jack? I don't remember. <laughs> I could see you going as Oogie Boogie, though, just in a bed sheet. I wish. You I have a creation to, of that bed sheet. I need to get my sewing machine out, and I need to make an Oogie Boogie costume for any time I go to conventions for anything. You know, like, people would love first, it. First of all, when I say conventions for anything, I legitimately mean anything. It could be like a... You're going to Knitting Town? Yeah. It could literally be a convention for, like, pharmaceutical sales, and I will walk in as Oogie Boogie. I do not care. If I had that costume, I would find every excuse to wear it. You know there's going to be, like, a Sea Life convention coming up soon? You're going to just be dressed as Oogie Boogie for that? Yeah, I don't care. It'll be great. Let me look at all these fish as Oogie Boogie. (laughs) So now we go into our movie breakdown where you can talk the good, the bad, the nitpicks. The ugly. So, the <laughs> what held up for you, what mm-hmm. didn't hold up for you, and what are those little things that have gnawed at you since seeing the movie? Uh, the thing that's really, like, holds up really well for me is that idea of the story of someone just stuck in a, like, almost dead-end job kind of thing where you're just doing the same thing day after day, year after year, and you just need something new. But, like... That's just not a thing in where you come from, you know? I, I, I just, I re- that story resonates with me. It, 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 I'm like, oh yeah, I feel that on a spiritual level, that needing of something new. I mean, everybody gets stuck in a rut at some point and wants to explore beyond their horizon. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've gotten a lot of, I mean, pretty much every Disney movie is about that. Like, Hercules, he literally sings a song about how he's going to go the distance and find where he belongs. Yeah. It's literally just what Jack does. He sings a song about finding where he belongs. By the end, it's Halloween Town, but he has to go exploring to figure it out. Yeah, he has to find something to uh, reinvigorate himself. Right, and we all need that. Like, whether you go hiking or boating or camping or I, I play video games. Like, yeah. I don't know. Whatever you do. Everybody needs that thing to, like, reinvigorate. I nap. I love naps. <laughs> Just I'm a narcoleptic, so I sleep a lot. But give me that. Like, you need to reinvigorate yourself. You need to refresh. Do what you got to do. But I think it's also a good uh, representation of showing that in a society, you have to be able to be okay with someone wanting to do something new. I mean, that's a whole big thing from uh, High School Musical, right? You know? status quo but you gotta break it but then he goes right back to it yeah yeah um but i also get it too because if i was jack i'd also want to go somewhere else because that whole town worships at his feet do you know how tiring it must be like this when he goes disappears to christmas town halloween town shuts down they, literally- they like don't know what to do without jack it's so funny too because they have almost two little bits of like musical gossip about where he is what happened something's to him something's up with jack something's up with jack yeah the whole thing and that it it tickles me that they have a song about gossip yeah <laughs> about what's going on with jack because he's so integral to their world that they have to know i mean listen the very first thing that happens in this movie is a song this yeah. is Halloween. Mm-hmm. And they all get their little intros. They're little like, I'm the clown with a tearaway face. You know, it's great. 
But then they all say, we all hail to the pumpkin song. Like, it's literally, they're all hailing to Jack. No, yeah. God, he should run. He should run so far and don't come back. But it kind of also explains why he's so self-centered. Exactly. So it makes sense. His character makes sense. Um, but yeah, I do really like that aspect of the story. What else you got? I will sing the praises for the music, quite literally. I had to refrain myself so hard from singing along to this. In fact, when I pulled it up to watch it for this time, the one that came up was the sing-along version. I was like, no, can't do that, because then I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing along. The music is beautiful. And for me, this is one of those musicals that hits a really nice balance between story and music, because the music a lot of times is progressing the story and that you don't always get that in musicals. So for me, the balance that it takes between songs, spoken word, and progressing the story just strikes a really nice balance that not a lot of musicals can get. Right, like, I'll give that to you because I always think of Frozen because that was such a big musical for Disney. Mm -hmm. But there's so much music in that where it's just like, Oh, we got a break for our musical interlude. Here it is. You were expecting a song, so here it is. Or you get something as crazy as Les Mis where it's literally just music. But this movie is like, hey, we're telling you a story. But when the characters sing, it makes sense for them to be singing. Yeah, it's a lot of times a montage. Or... And you're like, okay, I get it. Make perfect sense. Uh, what else you got? Uh, the incredible... Attention to detail with the character design and set design with this movie that makes it so visually appealing. Every character is so has their own characteristics, the, their own way of like, walking, talking, moving, gesturing. Like it is really crazy to think that it was all done in clay. <laughs> yeah, that blows my mind. So I've seen hand like drawn or animated films worse oh that like, like visually worse than this i mean there's this literal whole thing about disney reusing animation for several of their movies because they just yep that that character is gonna move exactly the same way as this last character we had in this completely different movie whereas this one everyone was done and but I don't even, not even that. Like, I've seen movies that aren't Disney, that aren't whatever. They're just badly drawn. They don't look good. Yeah. But then it's like these people built this out of clay and made them move. And I'm like, oh, okay. How does this look better than that other movie where they just drew on paper? Oh, yeah. No. Dude, I've, I've made stop motion movies. They are terrible to make. I don't understand people who like doing them because it's just so time consuming and so you have to have such attention to detail to be able to pull one of those off so i applaud them for it and i'm just like i i bow to you with the level of detail that you put into this yeah my friend and i made one back in high school i actually really it's on a dvd somewhere i gotta find it i'll show it to you at some point um maybe the next time we do a clay claymation yeah, claymation, stop motion film. I'll, I'll try to find mine and I'll show it to you. Mm -hmm. um, 
it was so much work. Ours isn't even like as good as I like ours that I made because I made it. Of course, I'm going to say I like it. I'm biased. But <laughs> I thought like we did a really good job. Again, it was based on a poem that was read over these people because like we didn't we didn't do voices. Like these people weren't talking because <laughs> we weren't skilled enough to do mouth movements. So we were like, no, no, no. They can just move. That's fine. Um, so I 100% understand how this stuff is made and it's just mind boggling the amount of work. The fact that this, you know, I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit just to give out some fun time with Googles. This movie took up between 20 and 40 sound stages. Wow. Wow. To make. Like, I've been on sound stages. They are huge. And I get it. You can't like build up. Right, you got to just build on ground level for this, like high, you know, mid waist height. Yeah, but it's still just to take up forty. So I just did a show uh, called Paper Girls on Amazon. Uh, I guess check it out. Self plug. I don't know. I I worked on it. I didn't make it. Don't 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 confuse. It. I didn't make it. I just worked on it. But it's on Amazon. You can watch it if you want to. There's also another show called Night Sky. I worked on that too. So watch it i don't know i don't know if it's any good i didn't watch it i refuse to watch stuff i work on because i it's like giving me nightmares which is the weirdest thing it well it gives me nightmares because i remember the day and what happened and how hard it was or whatever and i just i can't deal with it see i've watched some of the stuff that i've made so um like there i know we did a lot of locations and stuff but we only ever took up total at one time five sound stages <laughs> and you have to build like we're building like houses. massive sets, houses, caves, yeah, futuristic robots, things like that. And we only took up five. This movie took up forty. Well, you didn't. Crazy. You didn't want to like break any of them down. If you no, didn't have no, to. <laughs> absolutely not. And also, only one hundred people worked on this movie, which is also just mind-boggling. That you, is insane. If if you guys out there listening, if you want to know what that means, really. Think about an Amazon warehouse being run by 15 people. An entire Amazon warehouse getting orders out, doing everything by only 15 people. The amount of work that those people would have to do to keep that warehouse running, that's like 100 people making a full-on claymation stop-motion film. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the best like metaphor I can give you for that. Best comparison. Nice. Uh, what do you, what else you got? What do you, you still on your likes, your dislikes? What are we on? Uh, that was it for my likes for this, for the time being. Okay. One of the things I really like is all of the, uh, townspeople. Mm -hmm. It fills out the town, makes it feel very lived in Halloween town. I also really appreciate when they went to Christmas town, the amount of effort they did to put in all the little elves and really make these worlds feel lived in. It wasn't like, hey, Halloween Town, we're going to show like a werewolf once, and we're going to show like a vampire once. It was like, no, no, no. There's stuff happening in every scene. They could have easily been like, hey, look at this lineup of people that you'll never see again because it's too hard. And they were like, no, no, no. We're putting them everywhere. Yeah, no, there's people in the background of every scene, basically. So it's just, it's great. I also appreciated the... 2D stuff because they actually had to draw some stuff as well to make it more fluid than what the clay could do for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it blended decently, which I, I was surprised by. I will disagree with you on that one. Okay, disagree. Uh, Go. 
this is part of my negatives, but for me, it, the 2D and the claymation don't really mix. It just feels like two separate movies put on one page. And the claymation itself, by today's standards, real janky. Mostly because I've seen stuff like Coraline since that is similar. And it's so smooth and almost polished to see this one where, you know, Sally's hair is just one big clump. And, like, there's just random, like, divots in people's every once in a while. I mean, I have random divots. Yeah, but they go away. <laughs> oh, in them? Yeah. I was like, because mine don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they... <laughs> Yeah, the divots kind of go away. They're here and there. Sometimes mouths move in weird ways. Well, okay, like... Miss Queen of stop motion, apparently. Oh, no, my stop motion is terrible. <laughs> I'm just saying that by today's standards, it it's a little rough to look at now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, anything else you got for the doesn't hold up? Uh, not your not your thing that doesn't hold up the, the worst. Yeah. Just your doesn't hold up stuff. Yeah, um... For me, Jack doesn't really grow by the end. Like, he does and he doesn't. Like, he is still, like I said, very self-centered. He's still very much thinking about himself. I mean, he does think a little bit about what's going on around him, so he might have grown a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. You think he's still self-centered by the end of this movie? He goes back to Halloween Town and, first of all, brings them Christmas. They get to play ice hockey they get to see snow. I know that's Santa Claus doing it, but it's because mm-hmm. of Jack that it all happens. And he participates and, and shows them and watches them. But he also brings back fresh new ideas and goes, we're going to make the next Halloween the best Halloween ever. Like, that feels very unselfish. That feels very much like a leader who's motivating his people. I guess. But I don't, I don't know. Just... Something about him always feels off. Like, something about this always feels off to me. Maybe he just doesn't grow the way I want him to, and that's a personal choice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a personal choice. (laughs) Uh, Things that didn't work for me, I didn't really care about, like, a few of the musical songs. Like, Making Christmas, I I don't care. I get it, It's a but, like, you could add the montage without this song or i kind of liked it do a better song sally's song is terrible yeah jack's lament is pretty good but jack's lament the reprise yeah later isn't good i like those but give him a new but give him a new song you want to talk about showing growth in a character don't have him go back to the same song with new words give him a new song but at least that part goes upbeat towards the end where he did find his new passion. He's like, I thought I knew. Yes, you are correct. It goes it goes down in octaves in the original. Yeah. It goes on a, it ends on a downbeat. In Jack's Lament reprise, it ends on an upbeat. Yeah. Which is which is great, but you know how to make that even better? Just give him a full upbeat new song. <laughs> but it, that's not an upbeat moment until he realizes you know what what his problem was no. or whatever. I disagree. It could have been an upbeat moment. You could have had just some dialogue, him talking to himself, just coming to terms with what happened and then have that moment of like, I'm going to be better. Okay. I'll give Here, that to here's you. Here's your big, here's your big moment song. Yeah. I'll give so, that to you. That makes sense. All right. Nitpicks. I got a few. Okay. You got any nitpicks? I do have one. A huge issue with this movie for me is the Jack and Sally romance. That's the, not a nitpick. 
Nitpicks are little. <sighs> You're talking about something big. Fine, then maybe I wasn't done talking about the big stuff. All right, so finish up <laughs> with your big stuff then. There's literally no buildup to this romance. I don't understand why people are super about the Jack and Sally romance when there is nothing to be had in the entire movie. Like, we see Sally pining after Jack the entire movie, but Jack could literally not give her three sentences that weren't about Christmas. It it was very one-sided, and it made no sense for him to like look wistfully at Sally at the end and be like, we're going to sing a love song. Made no sense. Uh, excuse me. I have wanted to be a Sally my entire life where I get to stalk a dude until he falls in love with me, surprisingly, because we've only ever said three words to each other. How dare you? Yeah, still. I want no, it I'm to be earned. I, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, their love stories... Their love story to me is as bad as Harley and Joker. Yeah. Like for different reasons, obviously, but people who uh, fantasize about their, their love stories and glorify it just don't understand because there's nothing to it. It's literally like, imagine you went to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this guy had just been staring at you and gave you a basket of food and ran away before you could even say anything. And then randomly tells you what you're doing is a bad idea. And then sings a, you sing a song about it, or he sings a song about it that you don't even hear. <laughs> and then one day you're just like, man, I love that guy. Oh, yeah. That's, that's this movie. Makes no sense whatsoever. To be fair, he fed me, so. I mean, that's like the one good thing. But also <laughs> at the same time, don't eat her food. It's probably got deadly nightshade in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she knows how to cook with anything else. Probably not. Habits are hard to break. Yeah. All right. Is that all that for your doesn't all. hold up? Yeah, that is all. All right. What's your, was that your nitpick as well? I mean, I have little things here and there, but that was a major problem for me was the Jack and Sally romance. All right. So on to nitpicks because I have a nitpick. Okay. Jack goes on a wild adventure to Christmastown. Mm -hmm. And he leaves Zero behind. Yeah. Zero was in the woods with him when he, first of all, here's a second nitpick, same scene. Does Jack sleep when he walks? Because <laughs> he, he randomly like wakes up and is like, hmm, where are we? Dude, you, you're the one walking. You should not, it should not be a surprise where you are. You are in the woods, sir. You were walking. And why like, do you like yawn before you say it? I feel like of all people, you should probably know what that's like. So for you to have that as a nitpick. Yes. He's he's walking and then wakes up and goes, where are we? Dude, no. But so that's just weird. Mm -hmm. But then he leaves Zero behind. Like you couldn't like take the dog. You don't think the dog would have loved to play in snow? I mean, he's floating. So he probably wouldn't have even he been touch the ground. How do we He know? touches his dog bed. I guess. So he could have touched the snow. He, he could have went and to be smelled fair, cakes he and He had pies. no real choice. He was dragged into. Don't care. It's a nitpick, Emily. It's the point <laughs> of a nitpick. There's a, you're not supposed to argue it. It's a nitpick. <laughs> I also have a nitpick mm -hmm. in Sally's spoon. I was just going to bring that, that one up. That <laughs> she feeds Dr. Finkelstein with. Mm -hmm. Where do the holes go? 
Yeah, because when you look at it upside down, there are no holes. Yeah, she she shows that it's got holes, and then when she actually uses it, there's no holes. Plus, she definitely would have gotten some if she put that to her lips. Yeah, absolutely. Nitpick. Mm-hmm. Also, super nitpick here. Super nitpick. So, Dr. Finkelstein's career is over, right? I mean, he gave half his brain to another being. I mean, he- It's over. It felt like he was kind of dumb to begin with, so the fact that he gave up half his brain- Yeah, it's over. So, all right, those were my nitpicks. Well, you took the main one that I was going to talk about. Oh. Uh, Sally Spoon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that was a big nitpick We have me. the same nitpicks. Yeah. So, up next is where we normally do what ifs, but I'm changing that up. Okay. We no longer do what ifs. Okay. We're going to do imagine ifs. Ooh, okay. Mostly because there weren't any what ifs for this movie. So, Ooh. I want to see. They got everyone they ever imagine, wanted. Yeah, right? Imagine some things, if, if you will. Indulge me. All right. Imagine if Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's love affair started and got real hot and heavy before this movie <laughs> came out. And then Jack Skellington is voiced by and sung by Johnny Depp. I'm sorry, it was really hard to get past the love affair thing because that's just where my mind went and it just went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, because they definitely have a love affair. Answer the question. <laughs> you would um, have a really different movie. Like Jack wouldn't have had almost the gravitas that he does if uh, Johnny Depp was playing him. And don't get me wrong, I love Johnny Depp. I just don't think he has the voice for this I mean, he's character. pretty good in uh, Sweeney Todd. Demon sure. Barber of Fleet Street. Sure. He could do it. If he says Maybe. So. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying. I was going to say, would you have Helen Bo- Bonham Carter as Sally Bonham? then? Bonham. Bonham. I Hel- never... He- it's not Helen. It's Helena. Helena. Oh, gosh. Bonham Carter. Yeah, that person. Would you uh, have her as Sally then? Wait, that's what I'm saying though. Imagine if. <laughs> Tim Burton. If we get the real Tim Burton. We get crew. the real Tim Burton version of this. But that also leads me into, that was the only imagine if I had, by the way. Oh, okay. But that leads me into fun times with Googles, but- before we get there, okay, I have to set the record straight. Ooh, all right. Guys, Tim Burton did not direct this movie. He did not. Tim Burton produced this movie, and he barely did that, according to stories. <laughs> uh, according to internet rumors, he barely produced it. He was there sometimes. Mostly, he wrote a poem that was three pages long mm-hmm. that had Jack, Zero, and Santa Claus. The three main characters. Apparently. Then it got changed into this movie, and he helped write the script and develop it, but then Henry Selick directed it. Remember that name, Henry Selick. He would also do Coraline. A wonderful film. He is a stop-motion genius. Give that man his respect. Put some respect on that man's name. Yeah, seriously. The idea that uh, Burton put his name on top of the, the title... But then you have, like, everyone just, just assumed he was the director. Exactly. It's a travesty. Yeah. Boo that man. Boo that man. Yeah. And cheer Henry Selleck. Okay. Okay. Just had to get... That's not a fun time with Google. Mm-hmm. That's just facts. Just had to get that out of the way. Yeah. All right. My first fun time with Google is... Okay. Imagine if... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're over if that you part. God. The original album soundtrack. The original. 
there's a narrator on it that originally was supposed to be in the movie and they cut out for some reason. This does sound like an imagine if. It does because it gets even better. Okay. In that original album, the narrator is voiced by Sir Patrick Stewart. Ooh. He was supposed to be the narrator in this movie when the movie had a narrator and then they dropped it. They should have found him a different role. Don't ever drop Sir Patrick Stewart. How dare you? How, Henry Selleck, I just praised you, but how dare you, sir? <laughs> they should have given him some other role. We're going to have words if I ever meet you. I don't even know. Is Henry Selleck still alive? I have no idea. If you're still alive, sir, and we meet, we're going to have words. All, All right. right. What do you got? Uh, it took three years to make this film. And most of that is like the stop motion alone took 18 months. And mind you, this is 18 months of that 100 people on the 40 sound stages is what it took to get this movie made. That's insane. Incredible. Insane. Incredible. My next one is the band. Mm -hmm. Halloween Town's got a band. Right? Yeah, a really jazzy band. The jazz band, man. Um, Inside of the stand-up bass, there's a little character. Yeah. That little character, although it may remind you of Conan O'Brien, <laughs> that is not who it's modeled after. Okay. It is modeled after Danny Elfman. Ooh. He is immortalized as one of the characters in Nightmare in The Nightmare Before Christmas. I feel like he's immortalized more than that. Well, yeah, he also did the theme song for The Simpsons, so that man will go down in history as amazeballs. I mean, anything he touched almost turns to gold. Almost. Yeah. I, right. I don't know his entire uh, I'll just, works. You can look it up later. I'm just going to say almost. <laughs> you're going to go through and you're going to be like, great, 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 great. Ooh. <sighs> Something was going on wrong in his life at that time. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's your next one? Well, speaking of Danny Elfman, the uh, songs he wrote were actually made before the story was completed. Uh, he was given bits and pieces of the story and uh, a few sketches. And that's what he had to work on. And he wrote all of those songs. Some of them only taking them like as low as three days to write these songs. I, I think um, you once said how long it took him to made, make all the songs. Oh, I have no idea. A couple weeks. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you'd look that up. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I saw people saying like, oh, he wrote everything in like 10 days. And I'm like, that's impossible. Unless you're counting, like, unless they were, like, adding up the actual work time, false. Yeah. The one I saw, at least one of the songs only took him, like, three days to make. Well, goaded. Give that man his Hall of Fame plaque. Seriously, knowing that they don't even know the full story. They're just like, hey, uh, this kind of needs to happen, and here's a sketch of maybe what I want to do. I got you, bro. And he just made probably the best soundtrack of all time. Oof. One of there. Oof. Uh, there, I will say that. Uh, maybe top twenty-five. Maybe. I would love to see your list. Oh, don't tempt me. We'll make a special podcast, and I will literally the whole podcast for an hour will just be me reading better soundtracks than the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one is all the toys. So when Jack goes to all the houses when he's trying to do Christmas. And he gives out toys. Mm-hmm. 
some of them might look familiar to you. They did, yes. So there's a snake around a Christmas tree that mm-hmm. comes out of a bag. That's the sandworm from Beetlejuice. Yeah, we see him another time in the uh, film as well. In the dice. Yeah, with yep. Oogie Boogie's dice. So they, those were modeled after the sandworms in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Then you have the shrunken head. From toy. Beetlejuice? That's also from Beetlejuice. You have the black cat, which is the mascot for the Max Shrek Corporation oh. from Batman Returns. Which I think is what they modeled the cat from Coraline after as well. Because it looks a lot alike. Probably. The same cat. I mean, it's a black cat. This one was always a stretch for me, but, you know, black cat, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, the last one is the duck that uh-huh. they have. That is modeled after the giant rubber ducky that the penguin rides from Batman Returns. So not a little, little nods to Tim Burton films. I was going to say a little love letter there. Tim Burton was like, put my shit in this movie so that people think it's my movie. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Tim Burton, just let that man have his credit. Mm-hmm. Producer. <laughs> you got any more loosely? You got any more fun time with Google? No, um, my other one was about the poem that uh, Tim Burton wrote was a parody of the Night Before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got two more. Okay. So Doctor Finkelstein mm-hmm. is the little guy in the wheelchair that makes Sally. Yeah. And the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Do you know? They only say his name in the movie one time. To the front of the line? Correct. When he gets called up to say, hey, you got to make these reindeer. And he gives that really dumb line of like, their design should be exceedingly simple, I think. (laughs) Terrible line. Hate it so much. But that's the one time they say his name. But what's funny is if you watch the closing credits, he's credited as evil scientist. (laughs) They didn't, didn't even, even put his, his name, name in the credits. Wow. Evil scientist. Wow. My last little fun time with a Google is everybody thinks this is a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And it is now. <laughs> Everything's uh, t- a Disney movie Technically, now. <laughs> it's always been a Disney movie, but people always just assume it's always been a Disney movie. But in fact, it was actually too dark and gruesome and gory for Disney at the time in 1993. So they released it under the Touchstone banner, which was making like adult, not like adult adult movies, like mm, get your heads out of the gutter, <laughs> but like a, a grown up movies, right? Yeah. Like uh, Tombstone and things like that. And this was released under that because it was too gory and dark for Disney. So okay. it's a Touchstone animated thing. When you saw it for the first time, it was a Touchstone movie. Mm-hmm. When I saw it for the first time, a Touchstone movie. It wasn't until 2006 that Disney finally went, hmm, we love this movie and it makes us a bunch of money. You don't want to slap the Disney banner on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll own up to it now. It's ours. And now it's called Disney's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. So many names of people that didn't make it. <laughs> so it just always makes me laugh because it's just immediately associated with Disney. And yet everyone in our age range and probably most of the people listening to this podcast didn't know it as a Disney movie. They knew it as a touchstone. Well, I feel movie. like Disney has been doing that for a very long time, how oh, they've gotten so away with uh, making a whole bunch of movies that didn't necessarily fit their brand. 
by just buying other companies and just sliding those other properties underneath. Well, like, I mean, that's exactly mm. what they're doing now with Hulu. They yeah. own majority stake in Hulu, and that's where things like Deadpool are going to end up. Well, Deadpool is actually technically on Disney Plus right now. Yeah. Which is interesting. Oh, yeah. But that's where they're just putting some of their other adult stuff. They've been doing it for years. It's just always interesting to hear people say it's Disney's Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm like, not when you saw it for the first time. <laughs> Unless you saw it after 2006, you did not see a Disney. Yeah. So that's my that's my last fun time with Google. So now on to questions. Yes. I have a few. All right. Go. None of these are super, super important, but they were questions to me. Well, good, because they're probably unanswerable. <laughs> Uh, my first one is, if this movie was made today, would they add other religions' holidays to that forest? Um, I'm going to say yes, because it's Disney, and Disney is all about inclusivity. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, whatever holiday, We'd have a Hanukkah tree. A they would have, tree. like, Jack would walk into that field, and just every tree, people would make YouTube videos of naming every single holiday tree that they could see. <laughs> they would pause it and scrub through it to find it because Disney would add so many. Yeah. Awesome. All right, go. What else you got? All right. Uh, at what point, as the Dr. Finkelstein, do you stop letting Sally make your food? He's a crippled old man. Uh-huh. Who else is going to make his food? Igor. No, Igor is only for lab. You can train him to do other things. All I'm saying is that is the third or fourth time that she has poisoned him this month. At what point do you say, Sally, you can't cook me food anymore? Because it's probably going to be poison. Maybe he just really likes the poison. Maybe he's maybe he's faking it. He's like, Sally, how dare you? But also, here's where I keep the deadly nightshade. Wink, wink. <laughs> we, he does let it stay in the the house so that's what i'm saying he mm, somebody's got a fetish <laughs> do you have any yes i do actually i i do have more i just want to you know let you have some okay is oogie boogie a villain in some senses yes i mean he he's just himself but himself seems really villainous even to the people of halloween town like he's locked away and except for on halloween night so something about him screams villain they're just scared no matter what they're jealous it's called jealousy they don't seem jealous, jealous of each other bad on everyone Ugh, i don't know something about it just screams off to me that he's having he has to be like locked away okay let me do a quick psa to all of our listeners Hello, listeners. Please, go back and watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. Regardless on if we decide if it holds up or not, please go back and watch it again. Watch the movie. Watch Oogie Boogie. Listen to the Oogie Boogie song 1,000 times. And then t ask yourself, is Oogie Boogie really a villain? Or is he just misunderstood? We need to stop labeling people as a villain and just open up our hearts and listen. And maybe they'll tell us exactly who they are. Because Oogie Boogie is not a villain. I mean, do you consider serial killers who eat people villains? I mean, that's did, just who they are. Did we see Oogie Boogie eat somebody? He tried to. Did he, we see him eat somebody? I'm just saying. Do we know he, he trying to. Do we know he was actually going to eat somebody? Or is that just all part of his little, like, I'm evil. I'm going to sing a song and it sounds really good to say I'm going to put you in a stew. We don't know he actually does it. 
All I'm saying it's is all he hearsay. does bad things. You know, in the, you know, and if you catch people doing bad things, like, are we going to have criminals going into court being like, well, that's just who I am, so I'm not a villain. <laughs> in the court of law, he would be found innocent of being a villain because he does nothing villainous in this movie. He doesn't kidnap Santa Claus. Nobody imprisons him. He does not imprison him. Yes, he no, keeps no, no. him in chains. Uh, first of all, his hands are tied. Yeah. His feet are fine. If his fat ass could get up, he could probably run away. I think if he could get up, Oogie Boogie probably would have... That's hearsay. Tied it down. You're just assuming what would happen. All I'm saying is... Facts. We only deal in facts He was going here. to push them into hot oil had Jack not gotten there. Or well, hot whatever. That's because he was pissed off because he was let on by Sally. That was a crime of passion. How That's dare still a you? villainous thing to do. It is not. You can... Sometimes... Your emotions just got out of hand, all right? So take it out on Sally, not Santa. He was already messing with Santa. Well, Santa was being a dick. In what way? Just saying, hey, you don't have to do this. You can let me go and I can sit, you know, Because he wasn't have, playing along with children. Oogie Boogie's game. Oogie Boogie's a gambling man and Santa wouldn't play along and he was getting angry. Yeah, that he still sounds like issues. an Oogie Boogie problem. No, he has anger issues, that's all. He's not yeah. a villain. He's a villain. Yeah, he's not a villain. He's got anger issues. He's a villain. Anyway, these are supposed to be unanswerable, and we are just they? went for like five I just minutes. I answered them. You didn't. I you, answered it. He's a didn't. villain. All right. What's your last one? Because then I got a, I got a big one. Uh, did this movie invent the idea of kid leashes? Yes. Probably. Probably. Because there is that one kid and his mom who has him on a leash. The it Pugsley is, looking kid? Yeah. It it cracks me up every time I see it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't remember being on a leash when I was a kid. And if any kid should have been on a leash, it's probably me. <laughs> so if I wasn't on a leash, they weren't popular. I probably could have benefited from a leash, too, because I had a habit of just standing and staring at things if they interest me and while everyone walked away from me. Oh, see, I had the exact opposite problem. I had the habit of going, hey, what's that over there? And when I say, hey, what's that over there? I mean... You're in J.C. Penny at the mall, and I'm wondering what's in Sears. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Here's my very tough question. Okay. Is Jack Skellington a Disney princess? Ooh. He does fit a lot of the categories. He is a princess. I like, mean, he's a prince, to be he's fair. He's royalty. Well, we don't know. He's just a skeleton. They use he pronouns, but I feel like it's 2022 and we don't know. I cannot gender assign him. He has not spoken up since 1993. He might not classify himself as a man anymore. We don't know. He might be a Disney princess. Anyway, that's outside the point. <laughs> Jack is a Disney princess. He's royalty. Mm -hmm. He has an I want song because he wants to be part of another world in some way. Sure, not a, not a qualification. For oh, it's Disney totally a qualification. Every single Disney princess has an I want song. Mm. Every single one. Name one that doesn't. Merida. She's not a Disney princess. She is. Well, she sucks. So who cares? <laughs> she doesn't Merida. count. It, she doesn't have a musical, so of course yeah. she doesn't have a song. This is a musical, and he's got he's the protagonist. He's got the song, and he's mm -hmm. royalty. Yeah. Disney princess. He's a prince. Disney princess. I have to and go based Sally? on the genders given to me in the movie. Mm. It's, it's a gentleman, and that means he is a prince. Jack Skellington is a Disney princess, and Sally is his prince. Change my mind. 
I'm only saying that based on the genders, because in reality, he would be a Disney princess okay. if he was a so girl. So what are the rules of being a Disney princess? So I just named some. Like, what do you have? What do you think you need to be to classify yourself as a Disney princess? Well, I I did look it up. Uh, so you had the same thought then. I, I Jack's a Disney princess. <laughs> I needed to know for my own reasons um i have the disney princess wiki up and there are six main things that all right read them out disney let's princess. check them off go uh so they must have a central role in an animated movie check they must be human or have humanoid appearance check uh they must not be the star of a sequel check they must be royal by birth marriage or do a heroic deed king of halloween town check uh the film has to be uh, not an overwhelming failure. Check. Which keeps, unfortunately, my dear Kita out of it from okay. Atlantis. Check. Move on. <laughs> and uh, they must have massive appeal. Oh, super check. I don't know. I feel wait, like wait, some, wait, wait. some people might not like him simply pause. because he is darker. No, pause. You kept using the word they. Yeah. They must. They must. They Not she. They must. Jack. Disney princess confirmed. Eh. If it wasn't for the fact that he was gendered in that movie. I, I also have one other question. Very quickly. I do as well. Why is Jack's merchandise always in the villain section? That is a good question, but I feel like he kind of is the villain. Unanswerable. Move on. What's your question? Own movie. Um, what do you think like the death toll was for the kids at Christmas? Seven. Seven. Teen. <laughs> 17. And a half. Oh, and a half. So one got maimed. Divided by four. I'm not doing math here. Four. Am I right? What am I? <laughs> am I just throwing out numbers? You're what just am I doing throwing here? out numbers. Well, you didn't say I was right ever. No, I don't know. Oh. This is an unanswerable question. Well, you didn't say that. I, I was positing this. Oh. Yeah. Seven. Okay. <laughs> Why seven? Feels like a good number. Okay. Feel like, I, mean, I don't know how many kids we see, but none of them die. I feel like some get hurt. Seven. <laughs> Seven. We get answer. so many frantic calls to the police. Like, you have to believe that some type Helicopter of damage is going parents. on. Those didn't exist at the time. They were seeing the future. Oh, okay. They were like, hey, in the future, parents are going to be overly sensitive to things. So hysterical phone calls to the police. Okay. Because flying toys with laser beams. All right. Seven. I'll, I'll give it to you. Seven. Seven. Yep. All right. Perfect. Great. Let us know on Twitter how many kids you think died on the night of night of Christmas in The Nightmare Before Christmas. I really want to know. Closest to seven wins a prize. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, we don't have a prize. No, there are no prizes. <laughs> All right. Going into the award section. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have a Paddington Award? I the do. The Paddington Award is our award for the moment or character who melts your heart the most. I think this one's obvious. What is it? Zero. Of course it is. Anytime you give me a dog in a movie, it's probably going to be Also, he's just adorable, and he floats around, and he's see-through, and he's got a little jack o lamb pump pumpkin nose. And he plays fetch with Jack's rib. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cute. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> All right. For once. For once, yeah. 
<laughs> Oogie Boogie's not a villain. And moving on, we are going to what is the most replayable scene for you? This is the mm-hmm. scene where if you if it comes on, you're gonna watch it. You might rewind it and watch it again. And you might rewind it and watch it again. And then you're gonna watch the rest of the movie. What's yeah. your re- most replayable scene? Mine is this is Halloween. This is Halloween. So the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It's the best scene. And then I'll just watch most of the rest of the movie. False. So maybe I'll I'll fast forward like Sally's song, but False. What? Inherently false. That is one of the best scenes for me. You get to introduce everyone introduced to this world and it just gives me all the feels. Fine. It's your choice. Yeah. All right. My choice, most replayable scene, Mm -hmm. is later. Okay. I mean, it has to be because you pick the (laughs) first thing that happens. Yeah. Mine is also a song. It's What's This? When Jack is exploring Christmastown. That's fair. Because it's a great song. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know I'm really close to the Oogie Boogie song at that point. Like, I'm getting there. <laughs> getting there. Oh, here it comes. It's, it's right around the corner. I just yeah. keep telling myself that. But it's also where the movie actually starts, like, doing anything. But then you miss Jack's lament. I don't care. And this is Halloween. I don't care. That's sad. That's sad. Because every time, every day since I found out we were doing this movie this week, I've been singing that song. It's it been in my head. Fine. It's a great song. Yeah. I don't need it. All right. I don't need Jack Lament. Listen, he's in Christmas Town, sings What's This, comes back, tells everybody about it, and then I hear for the next freaking 30 minutes all about how, oh, I'm bored with Halloween. I'm going to do Christmas instead. That tells me all I need to know. Jack Lament means nothing. Ah, uh, it's just such a pretty song to me. Next award mm-hmm. is the, you know... I'm somewhat of a scientist myself award. And that's for the most memeable moment. Okay. What do you got in this movie? For me, it's pretty much any time the politician, the mayor is on screen when he flips his head. Because I feel that on a spiritual level of like going from jolly to worried in like two seconds flat. That's pretty good. I feel like a lot of people of my generation feel that on a spiritual level he's my spirit animal at that moment i'll give you that one (laughs) what's yours mine is when jack has figured out christmas Mm. he says eureka i've done it and he swings (laughs) open the windows yep give me that Mm -hmm. give me pump that into my veins of i want to see somebody out there whoever is listening if you have a Twitter following, if you are creative, if you are anything, please make me a bunch, a bunch of memes of the most mundane discoveries ever of like, I found lint in my pocket and put it over that part of him opening the window. And I just want to see the most ridiculous things people could come up with because you can use it for everything from things of like, I've discovered the cure to cancer, swing open the windows. To, up! Oh, I stubbed my toe. Swing open the windows. Like, <laughs> it could be used for everything. Meme it. It should be everywhere. I found the source of the clicking noise. It's, it's just it, any type of noise. Like, I found the source. Yeah, Eureka, exactly. Eureka! I've done it! Swing open the windows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to, we have two. Our two big awards 
of yeah. the night. The first one is the Jar Jar Binks Award mm -hmm. for the moment or character that holds up the worst since the movie's release. Okay. What do you have? The claymation. Shots fired. I know. It just looks so janky compared to what claymation is today. To to movies like Coraline that are so polished, it just looks so right. Rough. I look at something like Kubo and the Two Strings from I think twenty seventeen and it's polished. Yeah. It is so good you would think it's rendered in a computer. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good it looks. So things have just progressed so much that it doesn't hold up for me. That's fair. Uh, my Jar Jar Binks award goes to the love story between Jack and Sally. Yeah. Mostly to Sally. <laughs> Sally, please leave. You are Get so anti-Sally. You don't hold up well. <laughs> um, the whole idea of you being the bride of Frankenstein style sewn together, seen it better in other things. And your love story makes zero sense and has zero impact on the entire movie. And it does not hold up at all. Here is your award. Thank you. <laughs> it's almost like the Razzie Award. Here you it go. Is, it is definitely a Razzie Award. <laughs> and on to the Oscars. Um, yes. Our Oscar Award, which is the Paul Rudd Award, mm -hmm. for the scene or character that has held up the best since this movie came out. And it's named after Paul Rudd because that man doesn't age. He is ageless. He holds up very well. Yes, he does. Just putting that out there. All right. So, what holds up the best? The musical numbers to me. They are the thing that makes this movie, like, watchable to a T. It, I listen to the soundtrack every couple of months. Just have to have them in my life. They are so good. That's fair. It's fair. What about you? What's your Paul it's Rudd? It's the music. Yeah. It's it's not all of the music. It's the Oogie Boogie song. Uh. And what's this? All the other songs are fine. They're just not goat level like those two. I I disagree, but, you know. It's fine. But overall, yes, the award definitely goes <laughs> to the music. It's amazing. Everything about the music works on every level. Get out, Sally. <laughs> take Sally's song with you and leave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, overall, it's just the music's great. Yeah. All right, final thoughts. And go decision time. Fi final thoughts and decision. <clears throat> Start us off. I, I want to love this movie so much. And I do. I love this movie. I watch it every year or so because it is so nostalgic and the music is so good. However, going back and watching it this time, really paying attention to all the little things. And I just, I don't think it holds up. And I know I'm going to get flack for it, but for me, the characters aren't great. The, the claymation, which once was amazing, now is a little bit janky. So those main factors that make up this movie, that's majority of this movie. I don't really care for the characters. I don't really care for the the animation style i i have to say it doesn't hold up but my god it is by a slim margin that it doesn't hold up for me wow i'm shocked i know i want to love this movie so much 
And I do. I do love this movie. I but. don't disagree. I don't yeah. fully agree. But I don't disagree. I see where you're coming from. It's like, hey, there's great things about this movie. Mm-hmm. But also, hey, there's te- terrible things about this movie. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe if I asked you in a year, revisit this movie, it might change. Oh, yeah. Who knows? But for me, a lot of good things. Story, okay. Visual appeal, fantastic. See, I'm not as worried about the claymation as you are. Fair. You got some dents in you. We all got dents in you. Oh, that dent went away? Thank God for plastic surgery. (laughs) Um, So it doesn't bother me as much. Music, good. What I find hard to reconcile with is a lot of the characterizations Mm -hmm. of everyone in there. Jack isn't that likable. Yeah. Sally, get out. <laughs> Oogie Boogie's great, but also bad. The mayor's annoying. Yeah. Like, there's, like, who am I supposed to root for in this movie? Who am I supposed to like? Because I, I don't like anyone. I, I don't like know. Santa Claus, because he's a victim, and how dare they? True. But other than that, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this movie. And when I was younger, I didn't care. I was like, ah, the music. Ah, I love the music. It's yeah. so good. And then I realized maybe I like the music more than I like the movie. I definitely do. But, and here's the big but. Mm-hmm. If I had a kid, I could sit my kid down and I could show them The Nightmare Before Christmas and they will sing the music and they will want to watch it and they will want to dress like Jack and they will want to dress like Sally or Oogie Boogie or anybody else and they will say, hey, Dad, can we watch it again? And again, and again, and because of that, because you're right, it does not hold up for me at 36. Mm -hmm. But for an eight-year-old watching this movie for the first time in 2022, this movie probably holds up for them. They probably are going to love it. They don't care about the weird janky claymation. To them, it's an animated thing. Some of the animated shows they watch are terrible. So they don't care about that. And they'll love the music. And I will say that this movie holds up because of the music and the fact that this generation can still fall in love with it. Okay. That is that is very fair and not a, a way I pictured it. Yes. Because if I pictured it just for me, the movie doesn't hold up. Yeah. But I got to picture it for everyone. And I think if you can still find enjoyment, a brand new set of eyes can still find enjoyment in this movie, it holds up. Okay. And there's nothing really that, like, egregious about it or offensive or anything. So there you go. Okay. Holds up. All right. That's it for the Nightmare Before Christmas episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast. You can find us everywhere on the socials. You can find us on Twitter at Does It Hold Up 13, Instagram, Does It Hold Up 13, TikTok, Does It Hold Up underscore between each word. We got a Facebook page, Does It Hold Up. We also have a YouTube channel, Does It Hold Up, with a question mark. If you're listening to us on YouTube, check out the other stuff we have. Great shorts, great other content. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, all the places you can find podcasts, you should check out our YouTube channel or you should check out our TikTok channel. We make some great content and we always have new content coming. So, and we love feedback, guys. Oh, we yeah. say this at the end of every episode, and it's true. 
we want to hear from you guys. We don't know if what we're doing works, if it's good, if people enjoy it. So let us know. Hit us up on one of those socials. We also have an email address. Email me. I'm cool with that, too. <laughs> it's doesitholdup13 at gmail.com. Yep. Tell, tell me that I'm wrong. It's okay. Yeah. I can handle it. She's a big girl. She'll figure it out. <laughs> She'll come to terms with the fact that she's wrong. <laughs> but yeah, come hit us up on those show, socials. Let us know how we're doing. Don't forget to, you know, download this episode. Share it with friends who love this movie. Share it with friends who hate this movie. Share it with people who hate us, who are like, oh my God, they're so annoying. I don't want to listen to them. Maybe they'll hate listen. I'm cool with that too. <laughs> Share it, guys. Spread this. Um, in the meantime, you know exactly what to do. Keep watching movies. Bye.